Northampton, we're about to scramble the tofu of your collective consciousness. That's right. And you thought your brain on drugs looked funny in a frying pan. Oh, sweet mama, it must be time for another exciting edition of Vegan Vegan Radio! So today's show features interviews from Farm Sanctuary's Farm Animal Forum. Last month I went to San Francisco to document Farm Sanctuary's annual activist training event and I got to interview some of the great movers and salt shakers of our movement. Derek interviewed Bruce Friedrich of PETA, Karen, Karen Davis of Don, Karen Dawn of Dawn Watch, Lauren Ornelius of Compassion Over Killing, and Jean Bouston from Farm Sanctuary, among many others. And I don't know how to pronounce all their names. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Karen uh, Davis, the chicken woman. Just so you can find out why it's okay to date a meat eater. That's why I did it. We also have our favorite musical guest, Arjuna Grice, who's a local queer vegan singer-songwriter and also a good friend of ours. And as usual, we have some great news that will make you smile and some not-so-great news that will make you want to vomit up your sausage you just had for breakfast. Okay, that was (laughs) uncalled for. (laughs) Oh, Oh, Maggie. All right, listeners, we're going to go right in. So, uh... Today we're doing a different format than we normally do because Arjun is on a limited time schedule, so we're going to start off with our musical segment and then go into the news. How you doing there, Arjun? Are you all tuned up? I'm doing all right. I think I am. Oh, I can't hear that. You can't hear that. Is that mi- Mike 4? Mike 4, come Mike in. Four, Mike 4, come in. Mike come in. Four, come in, one, Mike 4. Check 1, 2, 3, 4. Mike 4. All right, it's okay if you can't. You'll, you'll be able to hear it. I play it loud. Okay, play loud. Okay, and so now? let's. Uh, well, we should interview you first. Oh, okay. Interview me first. So uh, you're you're a local. You're a local yokel. I'm a local yokel, right? right a here local? in Northampton, near the near the cemetery. <laughs> near the cemetery. That's gonna be my new hood. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm moving to uh, Linden Street. Oh, you'll be my neighbor. That's right. Won't you be my neighbor? We're gonna have some vegan block parties. We will. <laughs> so, um, how long have you been vegan? Well, actually. I'm not technically vegan. I want to set that straight. I'm eco-vegetarian. Because um, you eat bugs? <laughs> sometimes, accidentally. No, I, um, I will sometimes eat animal products if I can see, like if I see the chickens and they're like running around and happy and like pecking mm-hmm. in the compost, then I'll, I'll have the eggs. Then you go yeah. grab them and chop off their heads? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've had a good life. No. Um, you know, I, I sort of try to, it's, it's kind of harm reduction and kind of thinking about you know, impact on the earth of certain products. And, you know, like I've never shopped at Walmart and I consider, you know, never? We're, we're never ever. And, you She's know, I, cons- so good. I sort of consider like where you shop to be sort of a part of being, you know. Do you ever go there when you have to go to the bathroom real bad? No. <laughs> have you ever I've been, in, to McDonald's. Have you been inside one? I- I've been inside one twice. Um, the first time but- I was in uh, Walmart, I was on mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And it was, Derek, it was it was a bad Derek, trip. D- Derek, <laughs> I could feel the evil. It was like <laughs> seeping into my pores. I thought that was Kmart or something. No, it was Walmart. I I didn't even know what it was, and I was on mushrooms, and I went in there, mm. and I'm like, ah. He's just joking, listeners. He doesn't do mushrooms. No, not today. <laughs> but I, I want to put on out. The air. I'd love to put out a little zine um, called the Harm Reduction Cookbook. And have it be like ways you can be like a little more vegan, a little more vegetarian. That's a awesome more, to get you know, people kind organic. of on that path. Right, right. And, and so, so it doesn't feel so overwhelming. Right. Like you don't have to go from carnivore to, you know, raw tempeh like it, today. God, does anybody want to go to raw tempeh? <laughs> 
It is <laughs> rough, tempeh. I'm not sure if there is such a thing. Yeah, there is. <laughs> it for doesn't the, taste the very good. Raw, but it's, it's the tempeh it's before really you cook it. Oh, okay. Um, well, tempeh well, you know is not I mean. raw food. You know, that's like, what I was saying. I kind of aimed at, at students and other people who, you know, like it's, you can you can do mac and cheese instead of mac and cheese. Right. You know, Easy some, stuff. You can add some vegetables to your pasta. You can, right. You know, kind of work your way in. Gotcha. Cool. So what what's the song you're going to play for us and give us some background on um, that? Oh, this is a request, an oh sweet request. That's that oh sweet mamas. Nothing to do with vegetarianism <laughs> or veganism, uh, uh, you know, because I thought that would be appropriate. Because um, all my poems that mention any kind of veganism or vegetarianism, you can't say on the air. So <laughs> ah, yeah, that's the trouble with you. You like to swear a lot. Where'd <laughs> you get that poems, from? Though. Um, I don't know. I was raised on a pirate ship. Hence the name Arjuna. Arjuna. Um, okay. So this is uh, a song I wrote while on tour, um, going all around the country. I think I was in Oregon at the time when I wrote it. Or I kind of wrote it in between like Montana and Oregon. So it's organ music? It's organ music. A- and just... just <laughs> not, not for piano, for organ. Very quickly, are you, is there any tour place coming up here that, you're, that you'll be playing or performing at? No, not so much. I'm okay. taking a break to write. I'm, okay. uh, I'm, I'm, where I'm going after, right after this is I'm going over to Northampton High School to uh, help the students um, with their poetry because they're having a big poetry slam tomorrow. Are you going to teach them to um, swear? <laughs> teach them to swear. Um, <laughs> all right, let her get back to her little quick. <laughs> all right, so this is. Oh, you have to request it though. You have to yell it out. So when everyone everyone's at the show everyone... yelling "Freebird," this is what you do to them. <laughs> so everyone free out bird! there in Radio Land, yell "Freebird!" Free free bird! All right. What song you want to hear? Cause that's all right. I'm buried left to get back on the highway Pull into a rest stop on Bad Root Road Sign says the sky is no longer the limit But I'm flying, flying anyway So find momentum on the downhill Never break into a In a men's room in Montana Don't speed through Texas or Indiana Climb on stage again Test the limits of minor Somebody shouted Freebird Guess I look like Skinner Or maybe the wind was rustling Somebody could tell Somebody could tell Somebody heard Highways turn to freeways Turn to dirt roads Near a sacred mountain And it's all an exercise Living in the now Still I take it home with me Oh, it's fascinating just to see How many long embraces my wingspan will allow To find momentum on the downhill 
with Arjuna Christ. <laughs> All right. I got to right. go help some kids swear. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> and other poetic. Well, well ho- have fun with those kids and uh, don't corrupt them too much. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for coming. <laughs> bye-bye, Arjuna. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> bye-bye. All right. You want to play a little bumper? I would love for you to play a little bumper. <laughs> <laughs> so this oh. is this is Scott's newest one. Hey Scott, why don't you move over to that chair over there and you can uh, join us for the news? All right, this our our uh, sound engineer Scott Latane. This is his latest bumper he created for us. And he's in his new little yuppie outfit with his <laughs> white sneakers and black jacket. <laughs> uh. This is Lauren Ornelas with Compassion Over Killing, and you're listening to Vegan Radio. I just want to remind everybody that with every purchase you make, you're making a vote and a statement for or against animal cruelty and to go vegan. Nice. All right. So we got the news. The bare facts, the turgid truth. <laughs> the naked the news. Naked news. <laughs> Only on WXOJ. <laughs> Yes, you're listening to WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, and podcasting on www.veganradio.com. So you ready for our first news story? Um, Well, I think you still have some clothes on. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's actually uh, transparent clothing. Just not aware. Okay. Pay attention, Derelik. Come on. (laughs) All right, so we've got Chicago Band's Foie Gras. Foie Gras. Foie Gras. Oh, you, you're so, so good at your pronunciation, Derek. 
Foie gras. Okay. So we have some really great news for animal rights activists today. The Chicago City Council voted Wednesday to make Chicago the first city in the country to outlaw the sale of foie gras, the fatty livers of geese and ducks that many consider a delicacy, but animal rights advocates describe as a product of inhumane treatment. The ban adopted on a vote of 48 to 1 makes restaurants and retail stores subject to a fine of $500 for selling foie gras. The ordinance, which takes effect in 90 days, will be enforced by means of citizen complaints, said Joe Moore, the alderman who sponsored it. Many in the restaurant industry said the ban would have little effect on business, but they condemned it as an unwarranted intrusion by city officials. Quote, governments shouldn't be dictating what we eat, end quote, said Rick Tremonto, executive chef at one French restaurant, True. It's just not right. Foie gras gras produced by force-feeding grain grain to ducks and geese several times a day through a pipe inserted into their throats, causing their livers to expand. California enacted a law in 2004 that will end the production and sale of foie gras there in, there in 2012, and similar legislation has been proposed in a handful of other states. Massachusetts included. But Jean Bauston, president of Farm Sanctuary, an animal protection group that supports such bans, said Chicago would become the first place in the country to enforce one. Quote, today Chicago made a historic, kind statement, and I think its ramifications will be felt in other parts of the country, end quote, Mr. Bauston said. Mayor Richard M. Daley was not enthusiastic. We have children getting killed by gang leaders and dope dealers, Mr. Daley said, according to the Chicago Sun-Times. We have real issues here in the city, and we're dealing with foie gras. Let's get some one thing at a time, guys. Let, let's get some priorities. <laughs> yeah, well, that, you know, <laughs> that mayor. <laughs> <laughs> that mayor. What does he know? Yeah. So I got, a, I got an email from a, one of our listeners that... Um, said we shouldn't make jokes during the foie gras stories because it's not funny. It's mm. freedom gras, guys. Freedom. <laughs> there he goes. There um. he goes, the joke. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, well, that's really great. Well, and, uh, the thing that bothers me is when somebody always pipes up and is like, you know, that's that's not a priority. Like, you know, human human situations are a priority. And it's like everything's a priority. And right. it doesn't have to be one over the other. And and when we talk about something having to do, having to do with animals, um, it it's like it just seems people want to redirect. They well, want to be like, oh, we need to we need to talk about humans. It's like, well, we need to talk about everything. Well, if if you can be cruel, you know, if if we get to a place in society where we're not cruel to animals, then obviously we're not going to be cruel to other people. But here, as long here. as we have a, you know. If we don't care about animals, that gives a signal that life isn't sacred and it's all right to hurt other beings. What's that Mahatma Gandhi? Uh, uh, society is judged by the, uh, I think it has the way, with the way it treats its animals, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. He was a pretty bright guy. <laughs> he was all right. <laughs> He's <Gandhi>. all right. <laughs> all right. Anything else on that, Darlik? Oh, that's good. Okay. Our next story. 1,000 activists protest new torture lab at Oxford University. Animal rights campaigners brought Oxford to a standstill as they staged their biggest protest march through the city. About 1,000 people turned out to protest against Oxford University, continuing work on its partially built animal research laboratory. Brandishing placards, blowing whistles, and sounding klaxons, the demonstrators demanded the attention of passing shoppers and tourists. What's a klaxon? A klaxon? um, I believe it's... uh one of those instruments. Is it that clack? <laughs> <laughs> one, of those, one of those instruments. One of those instruments like that a, and it makes noise. It's like a, um, what are those things with the drum set? Like. I thought it was the noisemaker thing you get on Ring. New Year's Eve that you spin around. <laughs> Is that true? Or maybe it's the bell that 
that rings like continuously like a like a fire bell? Scott know. would know. Those British people. He's our crazy. on-site genius. Yeah, We're going to go with Scott's answer. I had a thesaurus installed. <laughs> <laughs> so crowds of people lined the streets to witness the march as it progressed across the city. Protesters dressed in blood-spattered lab coats carrying toy monkeys in cages marched on a route that, route that ended just a few hundred meters from the laboratory site. Some shop owners claimed that the protest had a negative effect on their businesses. One shop owner said, They made so much noise and created so much disruption that I think a lot of shoppers might have felt intimidated. Usually there are a lot of people browsing and just milling around on a Saturday, but not today. It's very quiet in here. The manager of the Holywell Bar and Restaurant, Chris Henderson, locked his doors. He said, This march has destroyed my business today. These people are not safe, and I did not want to risk keeping the doors open while they passed by. My staff and I were afraid of what could happen. Mick Rose from North Yorkshire was one of 50 people from the Leeds Animal Protection Group who traveled to Oxford. He said, We are here to demonstrate and show the university just how strongly we feel. We're here on behalf of the animals, and we believe the laboratory will never be finished as a result of our protests. Yeah. Maria Langloy, a member of the Ipswich Animal Rights Group, added, We want this demonstration to make people think about how animals suffer. We want the public to see why animal testing should be banned. Overall, the protest was peaceful. A police spokesman said, We are really pleased with the way it went. It was all peaceful, and they were able to demonstrate without causing massive problems for the rest of Oxford. A thousand animal rights activists. Can you imagine? I can't. When are we going to get that going on over here? I don't Um, know. Yeah, find out what a klaxon is. (laughs) That quick? (laughs) Awooga! It's a a trademark for an electromechanical horn or alerting device, mainly used on automobiles, trains, and ships. Huh. Oh. They alert listeners of the vehicle's arrival and possible oh. danger. Very interesting. Oh, All right, Darlick, enough of your <laughs> historical talk. <laughs> so now we got soy, the good, the bad, and the unknown. We'd like to thank Frank Language from our forums for submitting this article from the Delicious Organics website. If any other listeners out there would like to help contribute to our news segments, please go to our show forums at veganradio.com and post any news story that you deem worthy. So there's a lot of controversy these days over whether or not soy is a health food. It is true that soy is versatile and lends itself to everything from milk and yogurt to soy dogs, from snack nuts and to tofu. You it's, know you're jonesing for some tofu. <laughs> it's low in saturated fat high in polyunsaturated fatty acids, the good fat, and low in cholesterol. It's full of essential amino acids, a good source of B vitamins, has phytochemicals, it's a source of protein, and in certain forms, it may even be a source of calcium. But for many, soy must be avoided and labels must be read carefully as soy is an allergen. So one problem that soy crops is that soy crops are heavily doused with pesticides. Therefore, if buying soy products, make sure they're always organic. And in, in addition, most soybeans are now GMO, and the genetically engineered soybeans have less of the good and more of the bad parts of soy. So there's quite a debate about whether soy is good for us or even bad for us. The problem is that isoflavins mimic estrogen. So there are conflicting reports about it decreasing or increasing the risk of breast cancer, for example. And there are reports about lower prostate cancer in men, and at the same time reports... Prostate. Prost, prostate cancer in men and at the same time reports about it increasing don't the risk. you remember my prostate lesson from last time <laughs> unfortunately or fortunately that's left my memory a little walnut size uh, or- Woo, look at the time <laughs> 
So there are reports about lower prostate cancer in men, and at the same time, reports about it increasing the risk of Alzheimer's. There are clear warnings that isoflavins, a flavonoid found in soy, should never top 25 milligrams, the FDA's maximum safe amount, in any one day. This is easy to reach with a big glass of soy milk or soy yogurt. Reports indicate that fermented soy products like miso, nato, fermented tofu, soy milk from fermented beans, soy or tamari, or shoyu sauce and tempeh are fine in moderation. The long fermentation process neutralizes the natural toxins found in soy. And soy soy is said to inhibit our bodies from absorbing calcium, protein, magnesium, zinc, and iron because they are quite high in phytic acid. Phytate is a salt that makes calcium, zinc, iron, and other nutrients insoluble so that they are not absorbed by the body properly. The fermentation process for miso, tempeh, and sauces reduces the phytates. One thing is clear. The Green Guide, Dr. Mercola, John Robbins, and Dr. Whale all agree that certain derivatives of soy, such as soybean oil, soy lecithin, hydrolyzed vegetable protein, hydrolyzed soy protein, and soy protein isolates should be avoided. The soy protein isolate is actually the leftover byproduct of creating soy oil, so instead of throwing it away, it gets added to processed foods to add protein. In order to extract the protein and reduce the enzyme inhibitors in soy, they must be treated with a high-temperature chemical process. Toxins and carcinogens are created during this process, including nitrates, MSG, and lysinoalanine. All right. In order... Well, let's cut that. <laughs> That's what I said. I just wanted to say, you know, it's it just goes back to the whole thing. You sh- we sh- nobody should be eating a lot of processed foods, um, vegans included. And that when you eat soy, it's a little like bit of tofu you don't want it. And some uh, tempeh is good. Miso is great. But you don't want it. You don't want to be eating like tons and tons of like vegan sausage and vegan bologna and all that stuff. Right, right. And as always, stay hydrated, kids. <laughs> yes. I love. I've been on a raw diet for. Uh, oh 10 God! Years. I knew we were going to hear about this. <laughs> Come on. So- <laughs> this is a, we got to document this. So Derek's Derek's been on a raw diet for what a week. I started on Easter, so it's been a week and a half. A week and a half, and he's feeling great. great. He comes in every day and orders what, salads. Why are and, you jealous? <laughs> I maybe a little this jealous. Glow around me. <laughs> I didn't think that was your raw I'm, diet. I'm, I'm more uh, quick too. I seem to be uh, coming up with witty remarks. <laughs> 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 oh, listeners, he's he's gone into a state of... Uh, My brain is regenerating. <laughs> your brain's doing something wacky, but it's not regenerating. <laughs> You've gone into a state of denial. The raw diet has made you crazed. This is a different kind of green energy for you. <laughs> well, I'm going to have a full report at the end of the 30 days. Mm. I'd love it. I'd love also, to hear about I've it. I've also been doing the Bikram Challenge, uh, 28 Bikram yoga classes in 30 days. Sweating to the oldies. <laughs> <laughs> Sweating to the oldies right now with that Sweating piano with in the, the background. All right. That's all I have to say. All right. Next story. This one is not so fun to talk about. No um, jokes during this one. Appalling cruelty towards turkeys at UK plant. Turkeys at a Bernard Matthews farm were thrown in the air and battered with a pole in scenes of appalling cruelty filmed by undercover investigators. These shocking images show workers pretending to play rounders, a game which baseball evolved from with live birds as they collect them for slaughter. In a sequence of sickening shots taken in the early hours in a giant shed at Beck Farm, Haveringland, Norfolk, four men are filmed laughing and joking with each other as one worker kicks the birds around the floor before loading them into containers. Dressed in overalls and a t-shirt, the man is then heard shouting to his colleague, you throw them up and I'll hit them. 
The footage then shows him removing a device used to give water to the birds, known as a drinker, to leave himself a five-foot broom handle. Laughing and giggling, he lines himself up ready in the middle of the shed as his colleague starts to throw birds in the air. He's heard shouting in delight as he hits the first one on the head with the broom handle. Three turkeys are seen flying through the air in the footage, each one battered to the head and neck as it spreads its wings in distress. Then as the birds land, the workers heard laughing again as he hits them with the handle and kicks them around as they try to escape. The footage was taken by an undercover investigator from Hillside Animal Sanctuary in Frettenham, Norfolk. The investigator, a 50-year-old cameraman who has worked extensively for the BBC Channel 4 and newspapers over the past nine years, said, This is by far the worst cruelty that I have witnessed. When he hit the birds, it made a terrible sound. It was sickening. Yeah, that's... Well, they shouldn't hire adolescents to work in these places. Well, it's pretty common. Wait, wasn't one of these people? A f- no, no, that was the cameraman. It's pretty common in, uh, in these situations where people have to become so dehumanized. Uh, de- what's the word? De- uh, <laughs> detached, I guess. Detached. <laughs> there's another word I can't think of. But, um, yeah, and, like in the, there's a Suko, you know, Suko the artist. She went to slaughterhouses and painted pictures of the goings-on inside them. She has a... Really, uh, a painting of some slaughterhouse workers kicking around a pig's head. Uh, the pig was dead in this case, but um, I've I've definitely heard other reports of activities like this. So, if you are eating meat and dairy, you're supporting these industries, and these kind of things are going on in your name. And something that's important to think about is when um, you do decide to eat meat and you're like, well, I'm going to only make sure that I get like organic free range. Um, you know, that's fine for, you know, part of their life, but when they're killed, there's no, um, there's no guarantee that things like this won't happen. Like as they're being killed. Right. Well, also the thing with free range is that, um, it's an unregulated industry. So unless you actually go to the farm and see what's going on, it's, it's likely that it just means that there's like a, a little window open that the, you know, the, the basic standard is that they can have sunlight on them during some part of the day, and that just means they're not in a dark factory farm. They're in a lighted. <laughs> they're <laughs> in a that, lit factory farm. It has an open open window or doorway. Maybe a few of the chickens can get out every once in a while, but it's still pretty horrible. So you have to Slavery. go. You have to go to the actual farm if you want. A guarantee that yeah, like Arjuna, these types of things aren't happening. If you want to be like Arjuna and go chase chickens around for their eggs or whatever, then that's all good and well. Or is it well and good? It's well and good. Is that a British saying? I don't know. <laughs> On to our next story. Oh, Megan. Mil- oh, you're so impatient with me. <laughs> Milford, Massachusetts, meat thieves. A local story. Yep. They dropped two tenderloins as they fled and returned two others, but two men who tried to steal $400 worth of meat from a supermarket this week still almost got away. Jeffrey S. Peranti and Peter M. Gentilotti were arrested Monday at Peranti's home after a bystander gave police a license plate number. Each was charged with larceny over $250 and will be arraigned tomorrow. Most customers are willing to offer help, Hannaford supermarket manager Anthony Ginta said. Most don't want to be involved, but customers are pretty helpful in observing. 
The pair approached the butcher at the Hannaford supermarket on Route 109 about 3.30 p.m. and asked for $400 worth of tenderloin to be cut, police said. Ginta headed to the area to oversee the transaction and caught Peranti tucking wrapped tenderloins in his jacket and spotted Gentilotti limping down an aisle with two large (laughs) bulges at the bottom of his pants. The two made it outside and ran into the woods into a nearby store before taking off in a car, police said. Gentilotti actually pulled two tenderloins out of his pants and handed it back to Ginta before leaving, and two tenderloins were found discarded on a store shelf near baby diapers, police said. P- police found no meat at, per- at Peranti's home when they arrested the two. What's up with <laughs> <laughs> the meat in the pants? Yeah. As for the rest of it, the tenderloins found in the store were put back out for sale, but not the ones Gentilotti stuffed in his pants, Ginta said. We didn't use those ones at all, he said. Those left the store. But where did they go? <laughs> Man, if people knew where meat, where the meat they're eating has actually been through all the tapeworms and feces and, and feces and stuff, it, they wouldn't they wouldn't really care about something that being in somebody's pants against the guy's crotch. But I don't know why Woo! those meat eaters are always trying to improve their package size. They they got some kind of problems. <laughs> <laughs> Next story. <laughs> All right. Experts make fart-free beans. Dark will like this one. A method of creating super nutritious but flatulence-free beans has been developed by scientists. Okay. Derek. You're Scott, n- excuse Derek, yourself. <laughs> you're not Howard Stern. <laughs> Unfortunately, listeners, Derek uh, has uh, some respect for Howard Stern there, I, I think. I do not. Well, that was a Howard Stern move. I gotta tell you. Stern would never do that. No, (laughs) Stern's too classy. (laughs) Yeah, right. I haven't heard this show on his new uh, thing, but beans are a cheap and key source of nutrition, especially in the developing world. (laughs) Do you want to finish the story? (laughs) Oh, Maggie, come on, have some humor in your life. Beans are a cheap and key source of nutrition, especially in the developing world, but many people are thought to be put off by antisocial side effects. A Venezuelan team says fermenting beans with certain friendly bacteria can cut the amount of wind-causing compounds and boost beans' nutritional value. The research appears in the Journal of the Science of Food and Agriculture. Flatulence is caused by bacteria that live in the large intestine, breaking down parts of food, such as soluble fiber, that have not been digested higher in the gut. Beans such as the black bean commonly eaten across Central and Southern America and tested by the team contain many of these compounds. Researchers from the Simone Bolivar University in Caracas found that by boosting the natural fermentation process by adding a particular type of bacteria called lactobacillus casei, the amount of these indigestible wind-causing compounds were reduced. Soluble fiber was was reduced by two-thirds and the amount of raffinose, another flatulence-causing substance, by 88.6%. But the amount of insoluble fiber, which is thought to have a beneficial effect on the gut and help the digestive system get rid of toxins, increased by 97.5%. The team concludes that fermentation involving L-casei could decrease flatulence compounds and increase nutritional quality. They suggest the bacteria is used by the food industry to create better bean products. The team led by Maricela Granito said, given that flatulence is one of the main limiting factors for the consumption of this important foodstuff, the implementation of processes which allow for nutritious and non-flatulence-producing beans to be obtained would be interesting. 
Dr. Frankie Phillips, a nutrition expert and spokeswoman for the British Dietetic Association, said the study provides an interesting lead in helping us to overcome some of the less desirable aspects of eating legumes, i.e. flatulence, whilst ensuring that the nutritional benefits from eating them remain. On a, on a, <laughs> Can you say fired on the radio? <laughs> I think you just did. Oh. <laughs> it's also, you know, actually methane's in a uh, major greenhouse gas, so it's good that they're it's reducing it. It's true, yeah. Um. <laughs> it's so funny because I almost thought that Derek was 39, but I think he's been fooling me, and I, I actually think it's more like 16. Well, I do feel younger every day. Yeah. Uh, well, you act it. That's for uh, sure. Um, <laughs> Megan, come on. That story lends itself to some uh, bathroom humor. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyways, we're on to our next story. Wait, we're not going to discuss? What do you want to discuss about it? <laughs> I don't know. That you've got some issues? Oh, I, I did want to say that since I've been on the raw food diet, I find... Uh, Except for a couple of days, my um, my overall gassiness has been less. Um, I I don't know. <laughs> you should do a chart. <laughs> oh. I have a full report at the end of the month. <laughs> if you're still here with us, you know what I mean. Because that's that's under debate right now. Is it? Are you and Scott going to take over? I would it's hope so. Be some kind of mutiny on the radio bounty. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Maybe we'll get Lord. rid of stodgy old Megan. Sweet Jesus, help us! We'll get we'll get a, someone who can appreciate our humor here. If you get a classroom full of Listeners, sixth graders, maybe send in your resumes. <laughs> All right, our next story: oldest person alive is a vegetarian. Of Listed course. in the Guinness World Records as the oldest living person, a Chinese woman has marked her one hundred and twentieth birthday. Celebrating her birthday Saturday with dozens of relatives and locals in the city of Lashan, Sichuan Province, Du Pintao said she has been vegetarian for her whole life, China Daily reported Wednesday. Locals described Du as a tolerant and happy lady who never argues with others. Yeah, let that be a lesson to you, Megan. Stop arguing with me. You might make being stress-free probably helps a lot, so... Uh... Yeah, we could try and incorporate some of that into the programming. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you would just like listen to some uh, farting noises and laugh a little, it would help you live longer. <laughs> ah, 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 ah. If I hear it one more time, there will be heads are going to roll. You know what I'm going to? You know what I'm saying? Heads will roll. Well, I, th- I think we should do some kind of a bumper. <laughs> Vegan Radio, clearing the air and your colon since 2005. See? Apropos. <laughs> Do you two want to take over? You're all ready to go. Oh, baby. Well, I'm done with the, the news, right. thankfully. <laughs> Beautiful. So next up, we have our uh, feature interviews. <laughs> If, if you listen, it's too bad this isn't like a TV show because Megan's giving me the dirtiest look I've ever seen. <laughs> and I lived with a woman for seven years, so I've seen some dirty looks, let me tell you. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so we have some um, interviews. I went to the Farm Sanctuary Farm Animal Forum in San Francisco at the end of March. and uh, that's Yep, he's just traipsing around on his little uh, vegan vegan vacations. Yeah, if if you listeners want to send in more donations next time, I can 
maybe prefer to take Megan. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was left behind, listeners. <laughs> left behind. I'm always, like, le- I'm always left behind. Remember that movie, Left Behind? <laughs> please. Please, let's not go there. If anybody wants a good laugh, rent Left Behind with Kirk Cameron. Yeah. Actually, the movie itself was foretold in Luke. Um, yes. There's a passage uh, which I could quote. but uh, no. Verily, <laughs> verily, there will be a movie that is the greatest abomination no, it was actually, I think it did really well because uh, all the Bible Belt Christians ate it up. Ate it up. My mom gave me a copy. That's how Megan and I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Ma. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I was at this farm animal f- forum in San Francisco put on by Farm Sanctuary. I got to interview Bruce Friedrich, who's uh, one of the main people from PETA, and uh, also... Uh, Gene Boston, of course, and Lauren Ornelas, who is uh, used to be Viva USA, but she's, now she's going to Compassion Over Killing. And Dawn from Dawn Watch, which is a website that she'll be telling you about. Um, so, which one do you want to hear, Meg? Which one do I want to hear? Oh, you choose, Derek. All right, well, I think uh, we should start maybe with. Lauren Ornelas? All right. Here she is. Oh, that's the wrong This is Lauren Ornelas with (laughs) Compassion Over Killing, and you're listening to Vegan Radio. I just want to remind everybody that with every purchase you make, you're making a vote and a statement for or against animal cruelty and to go vegan. That's our new bumper again. That's Lauren in a nutshell. Vegan Radio, we're here with Lauren Ornelas from Compassion Over Killing now, and you just became part of that recently? Yeah, in a few weeks I'll be officially part of Compassion Over Killing. And what will your role be there? I'll be Director of Campaigns, and they're based out of Washington, D.C., but they do a lot, primarily focused on farmed animal issues. Do you know the campaigns you're going to be working on immediately? Not yet. No? It's a secret. <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> Are they, do you have to go through like a CIA process where they it's interview in, all your relatives? It's in D.C., you know, so they got, they got the, <laughs> learn it from the best there. <laughs> yeah. And um, what has Compassion Over Killing done recently as far as activism? Um, they do a lot of the investigations of battery egg farms, and they were successful in getting the Better Business Bureau to revisit the animal care certified label that was on eggs. And Did we get rid of that, or is that... It is gone now based on a lawsuit by oh, Compassion Over Killing. Yeah. And you came from Viva USA? Yes. And uh, what did you do there? Um, we did investigations of factory farms, and majority of our campaigns were using consumer-based pressure. So our most recent victory was getting Pier 1 Imports to stop using feathers in all of their products. Oh, wow. Um, out of our campaign where we educated them on the fact that the feathers that they were using came from one of the duck farms that we had investigated. And um, so we sent them documentation about how these animals were being treated. And through emails and phone calls from the public, um, Pier 1 decided to just continue the use of feathers in all of their products. And before that, you had a big victory with Whole Foods. Do you yes. want to talk about that a little? Sure. We did investigations of the duck farms, and we contacted all the grocery stores that were selling duck meat and got them, got Trader Joe's actually to stop carrying all duck meat in all of their stores because of consumer pressure. Um, people concerned about the fact that the ducks had the tips of their bills cut off, were kept in filthy, crowded conditions, and didn't have adequate water to preen themselves. And during our campaign, we also found out the Whole Foods Market was selling duck meat from the farms we investigated. So we had a three-year campaign against Whole Foods. 
Um, they initially quit selling from one of the duck farms we investigated, but continued to sell from a second, and um, kind of culminated for us at their shareholders meeting in Santa Monica, where I confronted the CEO um, regarding the fact that they were selling duck meat from factory farms, and we had a short exchange which we followed up over email, and about six months after that point in time, he contacted me and said that he had done some reading and actually had gone vegan and um, was going to revamp how Whole Foods um, raised their animals for food. Have you been keeping an eye on them since then? Yeah, we're still in touch, um, regular touch. They've actually set up a committee made up of various different groups, including PETA, Farm Sanctuary, HSUS, um, who kind of look at standards that are presenting for different farmed animals. And most of the time our job is to, you know, obviously we're not okay with any animal being killed for food, but we try and make sure that anything they pass is going to not have some of the more egregious forms of cruelty involved in their practices. So we're definitely keeping an eye on what they're doing there. They have done a lot to encourage more vegan options in their stores. Um, they have a new booklet out called Vegan Basics, which lists products that are vegan that they sell at Whole Foods. And I've been in touch with them a lot of times, telling them what foods they should be carrying from big and small vegan companies. Somebody just told me they have uh, vegan donut holes there now. Is that true? Yeah, they do. They have a few varieties of vegan donut holes. Yeah, they're really good, too. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, I made sure that they got Ting's Vegan Cheetos in all of their stores, too. For oh, Ting's, yeah. Ting's. <laughs> <laughs> Is that one of your favorites? Absolutely, yeah. Any other... Uh, activist news that you want to tell us about? Hmm. In California, our lawsuit against Adidas is going to be reviewed in the California Supreme Court because they have been um, selling their soccer cleats in the state of California that contain kangaroo skins, which is illegal. Uh, so we're excited to have the Attorney General's office support basically our lawsuit against Adidas, and it'll be heard in the Supreme Court. Um, not sure when, but that's it will the be state heard again. Supreme Court. Cal- yeah. yeah, California State. Wow. Yeah. I didn't hear about that one. That's pretty cool. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you. All right, we're back. And that was Lauren Arnellis from Compassion Over Killing. Who we got next? Um, Maybe we should do uh, Gene Boston just so we have the background information on the whole thing. Uh, So here's Gene Boston. It's Derek Goodwin. We're here with Gene Boston, Farm Sanctuary. and this is the Farm Animal Forum in San Francisco this year. How's it going so far? It's going great. I think people are really getting a lot out of the presentations. We have some wonderful presenters here today, including Howard Lyman, Joyce De Silva, Bruce Friedrich, and Karen Don. So it's been a very good day. Karen Don, she came over from Great Britain or something? Uh, Joyce De Silva you Joyce know, travels De Silva. around the world, but she represents Compassion in World Farming, which is an international organization that works to stop industrialized factory farming cruelties. Uh, Karen Don uh, runs Don Watch, which is a, a media watch group. Uh, Bruce Friedrich is with PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. And Howard Lyman uh, wrote a couple of books, including Mad Cowboy and No More Bull. And he's a fourth-generation cattle rancher who is now a vegan and a proponent of vegetarian living, and he's the president of Voice for a Viable Future. So is there a um, um, theme this year? The theme this year uh, is advocating for change, and the goal of this event is for people to be inspired, to get active, and, and uh and, and try to make change. Uh, and we're providing people with tools. There's a workshop going on right now, for example, where people are learning or working through issues and talking to each other about how best to present various issues. So this is uh, an event that is intended to inspire and provide tools 
for uh, caring citizens who want to make the world a little nicer. And um, let's see, what's what's new in, as far as legislation that you guys have been working on? Well, we're involved with a few bills right now. Um, we have a, a couple that would address the, the inhumane force-feeding birds to make foie gras. We have a, an ordinance we're, we're supporting in Chicago that would ban the sale of foie gras within city limits. It's passed one committee unanimously, and it is now going to be addressed by the full city council in Chicago. Uh, we have a bill in Massachusetts that would prohibit the force-feeding birds to make foie gras as well. And that bill has passed one committee. It's now in the Ways and Means Committee in the Massachusetts Senate, and we're hopeful that that will move forward in the near future. Um, in the state of Arizona, we're supporting an initiative effort to ban the use of veal crates and gestation crates. And that effort is now uh, underway, and, and signatures are being collected by volunteers to put a measure on the ballot in November 2006. And uh, we're you know, anticipating that being on the ballot, and uh, we are hopeful and optimistic that it will pass. And this is Farm Sanctuary's 20th year anniversary? Yeah, 2006 is Farm Sanctuary's 20-year anniversary. We've been doing this a long time, rescued lots of animals. And, uh, uh, you know, when we started, we literally were finding animals on dead piles or in trash cans. And, and we still continue to do that work and, and find animals abandoned in those ways. But we're also now going upstream, trying to change laws, trying to change public perceptions, and trying to change government and company policies uh, so that animals are not made to suffer and so that uh, you know the there's there's the compassion is, is more on the map and people are thinking more about their food choices and the consequences of them most people do not support cruelty and when they learn about what is happening on industrial farms they're not happy with it and so we want to provide people with options uh, that um, that are more humane, specifically a vegan lifestyle. And, you know, I think we're seeing some good progress. Are you excited about the gala this year? I'm excited about our 20-year anniversary gala in New York City on May 20th. And uh, we have celebrities coming in from around the country, and uh, it's going to be a great celebration. What date is that? It's May 20th at Cipriani's Wall Street in New York City. How much can are the tickets to get into this? The tickets are $300, but we also have sponsorships, and people can buy a whole table, and there's a variety of different uh, things people can do to participate. And you can look at, uh, you know, find out about the gala on our website, which is farmsanctuary.org. Excellent. Well, it's great to see you again. Great seeing you too, Derek. Thanks for being out here, man. Out here in San Out on France. the beat. Out, out on the beat. That's right. Take care. All right, thanks. All right, that was Jean Boston from Farm Sanctuary. So for all you wealthy vegans and vegetarians, got to head to New York City for your $300 ticket. <laughs> There's still a few tickets left, and uh, they will be auctioning some of my photographs, so you can also buy those. Um, and the money won't go to me, so this is not an advertisement. It is going to the animals. Um, there's also going to be a lot of other great art for sale there, uh, or for auction, and uh, including Peter Max, who's a well-known artist. And Sue Co. from New York City. Yep. Amazing yep, she, food. She converted me. And, uh, you know, Daryl Hannah. And uh, who's that other woman I like? <laughs> um, oh, Alicia just, Silverstone. Just one, right? Yeah. And yeah. Persia White, your, it's your favorite. That's what you say. <laughs> I like Persia. <laughs> Um, so anyway, so we're not going to have enough time to play all the interviews. We have um, 
a woman from the Christian Vegetarian Association. We have Karen Don from Don Watch. We have Carrie from Arizona Animal Rights Group. Um, and we're going to put those all in our podcast. So if you want to hear some more interviews from this, it would be at www.veganradio.com. Um, but we're just going to have time, I think, for Bruce Friedrich, who's uh, one of the big movers and shakers over at PETA. You know Bruce? You like Bruce, Maggie? I like Bruce, have yeah. Have you met him? I haven't met him. No. But um, we did have at our last vegan potluck, we had um, somebody come and speak who's actually a negotiator for PETA, um, and I like I like him. Yeah, he, he knows how to use sex as a weapon. Sex as a weapon. How is that? Yeah, uh, he's got a little bit on dating that's pretty funny. Um, so... Tell us about this. There's another potluck coming up. There is another potluck coming up on May 14th. Mother's at, Day. Yeah, it's on Mother's Day. Bring your mama. Come, come on, or your mother. Um, it's at Evolution Cafe. At I believe the time is we we might be changing the time to six o'clock, but okay. you can you can email um, me at meganvegan at gmail to confirm that. Um, and it's, you if know, you go to our show forums, there's links to the, uh, Valley Vegetarian Society too. Yeah. So you can get the exact time. It's either five thirty or six and you bring a vegan entree and your own place settings. And we are actually having, we will have speakers, um, Neil and Annie Hornish, and they'll be talking about, um, how to get along with family and friends who eat meat. Who, yeah. Okay, we we got to get Bruce started or we're not going to have enough time. So here we go. This is Bruce Friedrich from PETA. All right, we're here with Bruce Friedrich of PETA. How you doing? I'm very well, Derek. How are you? Great. <laughs> it's good to be here with you. Could you tell us what you're doing uh, at the conference, what your message is? You gave your lecture already. Yeah, I mean, the, the conference as a whole is focused on... Uh, making our farmed animal advocacy and vegetarian advocacy as effective as possible. My talk specifically was tips for being an effective advocate. So I was talking about the importance of prioritizing our advocacy, the importance of taking public speaking and communication courses so that we can hone our message. We have to be the voice for the animals, so we should be as effective as we possibly can be in every situation. So it's looking at things like The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell and How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie and some of those messages and some of the things that those of us at PETA have looked at, the animal rights movement as well as other social justice movements, uh, perhaps things that we were not doing as effectively as we might have, just offering tips for hopefully help yeah. people learn from our mistakes. <laughs> Those types of books are uh, things that a lot of animal rights activists would usually steer clear of, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. You, you tell somebody uh, who's in any sort of social justice movement that they should start taking communications courses and business classes and marketing classes and sociology classes uh, or read books that really everybody in sales, everybody in upper management has read How to Win Friends and Influence People. Everybody in upper management has taken time management courses. And somehow we think that the things that have made the billionaires billionaires uh, are not going to be useful to us in convincing people to become animal rights advocates. And uh, of course, that's not true. Uh, those are the things that we need to be reading. Those are the lessons that we need to learn. We need to be as effective 
uh, in talking to people and convincing people to adopt an animal rights philosophy as the folks in the Fortune 500 companies are in selling their products. I enjoyed the part about um, dating meat eaters was one of your uh, tips. (laughs) I know some people who are uh, hanging out on Match.com and they're fairly selective about who it is that they actually go out with. Uh, But before people, you know, they sort of put people through this... uh, jump through all these hoops, do all these tests, read these websites and stuff, and then they go, ah, never mind. Um, (laughs) But uh, So even if you're not single, you can use Match.com in that way. But um, No, there there are some PETA employees who uh, talk about converting the meat-eating America one guy at a time, and uh, and it's working for them. And I I suppose the men can do it with the women, too. I think it can, uh, yes, it can certainly go either way. (laughs) That's a great idea. I mean, on the one hand, it's kind of funny, um, and it's cute, and it gets a laugh. On the other hand, the point is to not be so judgmental. Oftentimes, people adopt a vegan diet, and they become very angry, and they treat all of the meat eaters who they come into contact with. Now, bear in mind that they were meat eaters six months previously, and they treat all these meat eaters in a way that they would never have wanted to be treated, and if somebody had treated them that way, they would still be eating meat. So... Um, it's partly a lot of the talk was about treating people how you would want to be treated, uh, and certainly the concept of telling people not to do Veggie Date to do Match.com instead <laughs> is just to say don't rule somebody out, don't think that somebody's a bad person uh, right. because they haven't been educated yet. I like Carol Adams' concept of the blocked meat eater. You know, it's ninety-six uh, percent of Americans believe in kindness toward animals. You can't reconcile kindness toward animals with eating meat. It's just a case of people helping people to understand that their own morality, their own belief, and their own integrity is violated by eating animal corpses. That's great. <laughs> um, so P- PETA has often used uh, sexuality to promote the animal rights message. So that kind of seems like a, a kind of a personal way to do it. <laughs> Yeah, it's using uh, using our nature as sexual beings <laughs> to uh, reach people at a visceral level. Right, right. You learn about that in the marketing books, too, I imagine. Um, does PETA have any big campaigns going on right now that you're involved in? Well, actually, uh, we're launching a video Tuesday, which will be some weeks previous, I guess, by the time this airs, called If This Is Kosher, and it's about Judaism and vegetarianism, and it's narrated by probably the hottest young Jewish author in the United States, Jonathan Safran Foer, and he got both a a very prominent Orthodox rabbi as well as a very prominent conservative rabbi uh, to make appearances in the video as well, and it basically argues sort of what we were just talking about, but from a strictly Jewish standpoint. Uh, It says Judaism requires compassion for animals. Uh, what happens in the meat industry, including kosher meat, is hideously abusive. We don't need meat in order to be healthy, and in fact, we'll be better off without it. Ergo, uh, practicing Jews should be vegetarians because of their Judaism. It's about 25 minutes long, and I think it's going to pack quite a punch. He's very, very influential, uh, as are the rabbis who he uh, got to be in the video with him. 
your um, advertising aimed at Christians has raised a lot of controversy. <laughs> Have you had some positive feedback from that too? Well, we've had tremendous positive feedback. It's like a lot of the things that we do where we do not shy away from controversy if we believe that it will generate a discussion. So uh, certainly a lot of our, our various uh, he died for your sins billboard <laughs> with uh, a pig up there on the billboard and that sort of thing. Um, they have been controversial, but they have also driven hundreds of thousands of people to our websites where they get the full presentation of the evidence in video galleries and photo galleries, and they can learn about the fact that where Jesus was the Prince of Peace, each time we sit down to eat, we're supporting hideous cruelty. I became an animal rights advocate after I read Christianity and the Rights of Animals and was struck by Reverend Lindsay's suggestion that for really anybody with integrity, but certainly for Christians, when we have a choice between compassion and cruelty, we should choose compassion. And then he suggests that every time we make a dining choice, that's what we're doing. And if we're choosing to eat meat, we're choosing to support cruelty when we could choose compassion. Uh, it's a very strong argument, and for many Christians, it's a real aha moment for them, and they adopt a vegetarian diet just the first time they hear it. That's awesome. Aha! Aha! Jesus, I'm vegan. Um, you are listening to WXOJLP Northampton 103.3 FM, and uh, our next in spirit jay deacon is not here so i guess we're just gonna we're gonna continue with our continue interviews Continue with our interviews so we can have our whole podcast pre-recorded and have less work for me later thank Wah-ha. you jay that was a very kind gift he's given us <laughs> and i'm sure you listeners are very excited that you can keep listening and if you just tuned in to hear jay deacon uh we don't know where he is but we have a spiritual message for you. We have taken over the airwaves with Go vegan, vegan Radio. <laughs> he, he's here in spirit. Go vegan. He's here in spirit. Yes. And uh, Jay, he's a great guy. He's probably listening to us in his car he's saying... probably saying, I left a CD there. Why aren't they... Damn those it? vegans. <laughs> Damn them all to hell. <laughs> no, he would never say that. <laughs> <laughs> he would say, God bless those vegans. May they go to heaven. Where's our next interview? Um, <laughs> Enough of this banter. <laughs> Banter. Uh, so, oh, well, we have a Christian Vegetarian Association. Oh, interview. let's go for it. We'll play this for the Christians who just tuned in. Uh, Jay Deacon is actually a Unitarian, so all his listeners might not be Christians, but... Well, unit- Unitarianism is actually, it's Christi- it is a form of Christianity. Is it? Yeah. But they like Buddhists? You, well, everyone is accepted, but it, it, is, accept it is a form Buddhist, of... Buddhist, Buddhist, Buddhist? Go on to the interview. Because I might join. Next! <laughs> Please don't. This is Derek Goodwin, Vegan Radio. We're here with Paris Harvey. And you're um, representing for the Christian Vegetarian Association. Could you yeah. tell us about the... Well, it's a 2,800-plus member association of uh, doctors, clergy, and other like-minded individuals all over the world that uh, feel that a plant-based diet is not only good for animals, of course, but also good for the planet, our health, as well as greatly alleviating world hunger. And that's because we're giving most of the grain that we could be giving to people uh, that are starving in other countries, as well as this country, to animals for slaughter. 
it kind of boils down to gluttony and greed. So, so just the way that America can have meat on their plate. Um, do you network with other religions, or is, is it based mostly on Christianity? Well, the members of this group are from all different faiths, yes. It happens to be called Christian Vegetarian Association because 83% of the population of the United States is from a Christian Judaic background, so we're trying to reach those people that just quite haven't made the connection between compassion to people also includes compassion to animals and so when we're eating them that's the least one of the least compassionate things we could do to an animal do you have any good um, bible verses or anything there's plenty of them on both sides of the farm fence shall we say and one that i like the most is they shall not hurt or destroy an all thy holy mountain which is Isaiah 11, 19, I believe it is. And, when it, you know, whether you take that in a literal sense, and all thy holy mountain, uh, biblically, or just in today's world, either way, it clearly presents to us God's ideal of being kind to all of creation. And God created animals, God created people, God created the planet. So, Live lightly on the earth. Live lightly on the earth. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Any thank other last uh, last things you didn't get in yet? Just so I want to add on a uh, more human issue is that it's extremely easy not to eat animals. In today's world, we have substitute sour creams, creamer for my coffee, uh, cheeses, uh, meats, and wonderful organic vegetables, too. So it's not a chore. I just dined in a wonderfully catered gourmet lunch that had absolutely no dairy or meat in it. And that, to me, I mean, there's no reason to eat animals. Even if Jesus ate animals, even if he allowed us to eat animals, even if God said we could eat animals in, in our past history, there may have been times, been times when there was a need for that. But in today's world, there is not a need for that. When there's 10 billion animals being slaughtered annually at modern-day factory farms, 10 billion, that's not million, it's billion per year, and that is a sin to me. It's not that eating meat is inherently sinful, period. It's just that we're doing so much of it and so inhumanely that is a sinful thing. Thank you for that opportunity. Thank you. Okay, that was the Christian Vegetarian Association. That was my favorite one of the of the bunch. Too. Really? Me yeah. too. There's a lot of background noise. Uh, yeah, well, that was why. <laughs> I love background noise. Yeah, there's something soothing about it. Who's our next interview? Um, I'd like to interview you, Megan. <laughs> oh, I know our listeners would love to hear you, my background story, but we don't have time for that. <laughs> um. I, I like Karen Don. What 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 an interview have you uh, enjoyed that we haven't played yet, Scotty? Uh, let's see. Did you do the you did the compassion over cruelty? Yeah. Well, I did. I did like that one. I have to say, I enjoyed that one a lot. Um, Go, Lauren. Shout out to Lauren. Yeah, she was great. Uh, but uh, hey, I guess they were all good. We got yeah. Karen Don. Uh, we have one from Carrie from Arizona that's short and uh, sh- kind of. Well, we'll play that first, and then we'll go right into the Karen Don without interrupting again, and then we'll be done with our show. So that's seven more minutes of banter, if you can take it. Ah, here it is. Ah, no. Test, test. Hello. Hello. <laughs> We're here with uh, Carrie. Neenstead. 
Neenstead? <laughs> and you're from Arizona? Yes. Oh, so there's probably a ballot initiative there? Sure. What we're doing is we're collecting signatures. We're going to be collecting 200,000 signatures to get a measure on November's ballot to ban veal crates and gestation crates throughout the state of Arizona. How's that going? It's going well. Um, we need a lot more signatures. We still need about 100,000 more signatures by the end of June. So we're desperately looking for volunteers to go get signatures with us. But we're very confident that we will make the ballot, that we will qualify. And once we do make the ballot, we're very confident that it will pass. What kind of shenanigans has the meat industry uh, put up with so far? Oh, interesting stuff. Um, they've come out in opposition of our of our um, initiative in editorials and things, but they've also... Um, I've had a couple of somewhat threatening emails, and we've had somebody flyering my neighbors, telling them that we are part of a domestic terrorist organization, the HSUS. <laughs> so um, it's been it's been interesting, but so far nothing major. So far, um, the, the very good thing for us is that the opposition really does not have a good argument against us. Our issue is very solid. This is not a, a fringe or radical or extreme movement or initiative. It's been banned across, these pits have been banned across the European Union. This is something that is very mainstream and um, it's a, an easy choice if you look at the issue. And you have a website or anything people can go to if they live in Arizona? Absolutely. It's yesforhumanefarms.org and we're looking for volunteers so anyone who can even collect five signatures would be a huge help to the initiative. Cool, thank you very much. Thank you. Alright, we're here with Karen Dodd. How are you doing, Karen? I'm doing well, thank you. Could you tell us about your organization and what you do? I run a service called Dawn Watch based at dawnwatch.com. What I do is I keep an eye on what the media is doing with animal issues and I send alerts out to my subscribers and ask them to respond to the media. So, for example, if a TV show has an animal-friendly storyline or there's a great news piece on animal issues or there's a, uh, an article in a paper which is relevant to animal issues, I get people to respond to the TV station and say, thanks so much for doing that piece, it was fabulous, or to write letters to the editor, um, so that the media knows that these issues are important to their viewers, because the media is a business and they need to know that what they're putting out there matters to their audience. And you spoke at the conference today. What was your message? Did you have a message? Or you just... I basically went over some examples of the ways in which feedback can make a difference. Where, you know, in situations where you might have uh, animal-friendly coverage and the, uh, the station gets hundreds of emails saying, thanks so much for showing this slaughterhouse footage, and then you find that they do 20 follow-ups on the same subject because they know, hey, this is really resonating with their viewers. I talked about letters to the editor. Um, a lot of these tips are on my website, dawnwatch.com, so a lot of what I covered today is basically an introduction to what I do and telling people why feedback to media matters because uh, media takes its feedback very seriously. So for local activists, do you think uh, dealing with local media is, is a great way to spread the word? 
Absolutely. And one thing about dealing with local media is that uh, local papers publish an incredibly high proportion of the letters they receive. Some local papers publish pretty much 100% of letters they receive. So if you take 10 minutes to write a letter on some animal issue, if it's Easter and you decide you're going to uh, write a letter suggesting that people extend their brotherly love to include all of God's creatures or any issue that comes up, if you write to your local paper about it, um, it's almost guaranteed that that letter is going to go in. And people read their local papers. I mean, if you think about it, the one that comes free in the mail or that's distributed at the coffee shop or whatever, they get read. And so it's just such an easy way for activists to get the uh, animal-friendly message out. How about on an international level? Is there a way to get into that media? Well, absolutely. I mean, what Dawnwatch does is focuses on international and national media. I mean, I'll, you know, look at the New York Times and let people know what's going on in that paper because that's a nationally distributed paper or in USA Today. And um, when a whole bunch of people write a letter on a certain topic, a paper will generally publish at least one or two, unless all those letters look similar, like if somebody's lifting lines off some sort of sample letter and then actually the paper will stay miles away from the subject because they'll smell that this is a campaign, that this isn't, you know, our readers who are responding. But if um, they get lots of individual original notes on the same topic, at least one or two will get published. So even if it's not yours, it gets published. The fact that you wrote is part of the reason that there was an animal-friendly letter in there. And then also, even if your letter doesn't get published, it got read by the editor of the editorial page, um, which is an incredibly powerful person, somebody who we really want to educate on our issues. So can't uh, overestimate the importance of being in contact with the media and uh, writing letters to the editor. Right now, a lot of alternative media sources are coming up on the internet, like blogging and um, podcasting. Do you deal with those at all? Oh, only to say I recommend every single animal advocate to get themselves a blog and go for it. I mean, these are highly read things, so um, I don't, it's not an area I deal in. I deal very much with major mainstream media. But I like to see Dawn Watch as a training ground where people, you know, if they're on my list, they'll sort of get ideas for responding to the media, but I hope they'll take those ideas from the major media out into their local media, out into the alternative media, and um, just get out there for the sake of the animals. Great. Where are you from? I grew up in uh, Australia. Australia? Yeah. But you live here now? I do. I was born in the States and uh, grew up here. I did a bit of a Mel Gibson and then uh, (laughs) came back here as an adult. And uh, I think um, America is just so influential in the world that any animal advocacy done here just has such a huge impact so it's an important place to be living and working thank you very much thank you and thank you listeners for listening to another episode of vegan radio (laughs) 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 you know you've been veganized tenderized sanitized (laughs) (laughs) You going to start your little spiel there, Megan, or are you going to wait till the end of the theme? Huh. I thought you were going to start the spiel. I said thanks for joining us for another (laughs) episode of Vegan Radio. So to find out more about anything we talked about on the show, be sure to check out our show notes at www.veganradio.com. All the episodes of Vegan Radio are available to download on our website, 
You can also subscribe to the Vegan Radio Podcast on our website, so it will be delivered fresh to your computer every two weeks. Our live show streams on the web at www.valleyfreeradio.org from noon until 1 p.m. Eastern Time on alternate Thursdays. And while you're at the website, also check out our show forums and sign up for our email list so you can keep up with the latest news and happenings. We've got forums set up for you to share news stories with us and have further discussions about topics we cover in the show. So let us know you're out there listening and what you'd like to hear about on our future shows. We encourage our podcast listeners to write us a review at the Apple iTunes Music Store or at any other podcast site that you frequent. We'd like to thank Audrey for her generous donation a while back, and also Vegan Vixen, Vegan Man, and John Default for leaving reviews on iTunes. Vegan Radio is a production of Veganica.com, and all content is copyrighted. Feel free to share our show with your friends, but if you want to steal them for your own nefarious purposes, you better watch out, because the vegan police will find you. You're under arrest. We'll see you in two weeks for another episode of Vegan, vegan Radio! Radio. Okay, we're here with Dave Middlesworth. Um, he's an exhibitor. And what are you selling, Dave? We have a uh, vegetarian dog food called V-Dog. V-Dog is the original vegetarian dog food brought in from uh, England, where it's known as Happy Dog. Uh, it's been manufactured in England since 1980. And we have uh, been marketing it in the United States since November of 2005. Uh, we just won the PETA Proggy Award for uh, Best Dog Food for 2005, which we're delighted with, and the reception so far has been phenomenal. Uh, we are uh, essentially an internet-based marketing group right now, although we have three markets. Uh, we're discussing uh, uh, marketing in Whole Foods and Wild Oats. Uh, we hope to have a national distribution uh, through those market chains within the next year. Uh, currently, our uh, marketing is done on the internet. Our website is thedogfood.com, and um, we have two bag sizes a 5.5 pound bag and a, a 33 pound bag. The Dog is a complete uh, high protein dog food that uh, has a history of 10 generations of dogs thriving on the product. So dogs aren't, uh, they don't need to eat meat to survive? Absolutely not. Dogs are like us. They're omnivores and they thrive on a vegetarian diet. Um, that is not necessarily true with cats, although even cats, uh, apparently, according to some of the people who I've spoken to, uh, thrive on a vegetarian diet. Um, Cats have a requirement for taurine, which is a um, amino acid that comes from the muscle of meat. Uh, but some people who at this conference have said that um, there are viable substitutes for even that. So we're, we're look, we know that dogs thrive on a vegetarian dog food. Uh, many of the meat-based companies in this country uh, will have a vegetarian formula, and they market it essentially on... Uh, the, the view that this is a better alternative for dogs with digestive problems or older dogs. Uh, V-Dog is taking the approach that it's good for all dogs and that uh, the longevity of the dog could be increased. We're not obviously making any, any commitments to that, but uh, the anecdotal evidence is that dogs who have lived on a vegetarian diet do live longer. In my own personal experience with my wife and I, we have a 15-year-old lab who we just had to put down, 
He had been a, a vegetarian for nine years, and all of his siblings died four years prior to his uh, departure. So that was uh, some just personal, on a personal level, some proof of how effective a vegetarian formula can be. Now, uh, do you, do you find also find that the dogs are healthier in their old age? Is there less arthritis or anything like that? Yes, although I will say that uh, toward the end of a 15-year uh, life with a lab, uh, they, they tend to have a lot of arthritic issues, and uh, there are some very effective uh, arthritis uh, medications available for dogs. The vegetarian formula, we think, helped, but we also had to supplement that with Rimadol, which is a prescription arthritic medicine. medicine. <laughs> for the 15-year-old lab. But uh, again, in, in terms of joint uh, health, a vegetarian formula is probably going to be more effective than a meat-based formula for an older dog. Great. Well, it's uh, great to have you here and good to talk to you. And we'll uh, link to you in our show notes so our listeners can find your products. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks.